welcome, everybody. Let's talk real estate. Your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current commercial real estate market here in Southern California. As we take a no BS look at both sides of the issues driving this market today to find the best solutions going forward. With our man right in the middle, Barry Saywitz. Hey, Barry. Hey, good morning, Paul, and good morning to all of our viewers and our listeners out there. Welcome back. If it's Tuesday, which as far as I know it is, we are talking real estate. I am Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company and managing partner of Saywitz Properties. And if it's one thing I've learned in my 30 plus years of doing this, uh, it's to surround yourself with uh, good people, get good information, make good decisions. And I'm hoping today we're going to be able to provide you with some additional information where you can go out there and use that uh, in your everyday life. And so I'm excited about today's show for a number of reasons. Before we get going, I do want to do a shout out in light of the world events and everything going on around us. And our prayers and our hopes are with the Israeli population, with the innocent Palestinian population. And we all hope that justice comes to those that uh, bring terror to the world. And so all the best to everyone out there. Now, with that said, on a lighter note, I do want to welcome our guest, Barack Zilberberg, who is the founder of the Zilberberg Foundation, real estate investor, entrepreneur, and on top of all of that, candidate for president of the United States of America. Barack, welcome yes, to the show. Yes, thank you, Barry. It's a pleasure, it's an honor, and I'm looking forward for this wonderful discussion moving forward. Yeah, so yeah. I'm glad you could make it. Yeah. And I know we've been talking about doing this for a while, and I don't think there could be a more important time yeah. uh, in the past several yeah. years uh, for you to come on the show. And this so is very critical. We're, we're in a very, very critical time now, and this point in time in our, in our uh, presence in this world we have a war currently, uh, Ukraine and Russia, and now uh, we have a war in uh, the Middle East, which is in Israel, the state of Israel. You know, we're in a turmoil. That's where we are now, uh, and uh, I believe uh, we have to wipe out all of the terrorist organizations out there, whether it's uh, Hamas or Hezbollah or any of those terrorist organizations, just wipe them out completely. All right. Uh, join the Gazan people, Palestinian people with the Israeli people in peace and harmony. Flourish economic growth within Gaza. So people are flourishing their children, educating the children of, of uh, how to work hard, how to earn money, how to save money, how to invest money. I'm thinking in Gaza also to build uh, resort hotels, just like in Las Vegas and Macau. Uh, and then we would have the same type of uh, packs that we have here in the United States with the American Indians. So we have packs with, we don't, Israel, State of Israel yeah. would have packs and agreements with the Palestinian people that they will not be taxed on the revenue gains that they have from their casinos and the gambling and all that's uh, in presence there as to, you know, replenishing and, and infiltrating the money into the children's education, into growth and prosperity and development. So, you know, why should, uh, why should a missile when you could actually, and, and you're talking millions of dollars with missiles yeah. going out, why not put it in our educational system for our children, no matter what race, color, religion, it's all irrelevant. We all should have the power of knowledge. Power of knowledge is crucial. 
And it starts from our children, you know, that's where it right. is. And, and that's the issue, I think, uh, at least from what I've heard, is you have more than 50% of the population there in Gaza that is, are minors. And they're taught from an early age, uh, many of them, to hate Jews and to hate the West right. and to cause turmoil. And so you need a cultural change if that's even possible. But certainly at the forefront of everything that's going on, you have to purge the bad people, right? And, yeah. and, and I'm right there with you that I think Israel needs to act, act swiftly and strongly and, and get rid of the, the bad people. And then you can move forward and try and rebuild and try and you know make peace and have everybody yeah. get along. Yeah, because you have to understand uh, you have Hamas within the— uh, these innocent people, uh, the Palestinians are totally innocent and they're great people. I love Palestinian people. I love the Israeli people. Wonderful people. It's just basically uh, the, the Hamas, you know, are territorial. And if they don't agree to their positions and their stances, guess what? They're, you know, they'll point at their children's, one of their children's head and behead them if they don't observe uh, their orders, period. Right. So they're afraid. They're vulnerable. Uh, they're innocent people. Uh, it's just the Hamas, the terrorist organization, is what's uh, stirring stuff up amongst the Jews and the Palestinians. Well, and now you have it escalating really to a, a worldwide conversation because you have countries sort of picking a side, you know, and, and you have players like Venezuela and China and Iran and Lebanon taking the side of the Palestinians. And then you have other countries like the United States and France and England taking the side of the Israelis. And now you're really poisoning yourself for uh, polarity, uh, which is not really the goal here. The goal is to no. get peace. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm not sure you can get peace without having some destruction, at least before then. And then I guess we'll see what happens in the coming days. Biden is on his way over there. We'll see what he does. And yeah. so before we get to the presidential stuff, because I could go with you all day on that yes. stuff, I want to back up a little bit. And, and let's just talk about your history, because you are here in the United States, immigrant uh, family uh, mm -hmm. from Poland originally, correct? Yeah, no, my father, he uh, he was born in Poland, but uh, they're migrants of Israel, oh, state really? of Israel, Great. Yeah, both my mother and father. And so you grew up here in Southern California mm -hmm. uh, and got into business at a very early age. Yes. And then parlayed your experience in business into mm -hmm. a real estate investment business and portfolio. Right. And then ultimately relocated to the Las Vegas area. And so I guess to talk about how you got into business at such an early age, why and how and what was the draw? Well, I was always independent since age six. I was walking to school by myself to and from. I had a key uh, walk in the door. Mom was working. Dad was working. I went when there was food available. I made myself food. I did my homework till my parents came back home. Always very, very independent. Now, uh, and then uh, that ideology, you know, went along uh, my uh, youth years. And I went to work with my father. I saw what he was doing and. Uh, taught me, uh, you know, the intricacies of hard work, you know, and age 13, I was bar mitzvah, and uh, you're considered a, a man, man. yeah, course. at okay. age 13. So he's saying, guess what, you know, I am not supporting you, and you're supporting yourself, and you go ahead and uh, make your own money and pay for your own expenditures and your own uh, wants and needs. And yeah. that's what I did. I listened to him. I said, I am not going to wait for him or nobody. You know, I was always a leader. Whenever I did, I never was pushed around or uh, bullied, you know, or any of that. And if I was, then I would go ahead and defend myself, you know, and uh, and make sure that I am uh, I am in defense, yeah. you know. 
But in, in terms of the business side of things, I mean, you get involved at an early age, you're independent, and then at age 21, if I yeah. am quoting it correct, get yeah. into business. Well, nine, yeah, I went in at age 21 into business, and then uh, I started uh, in plumbing as a blue-collar worker. Uh, and I was I started at age 18 working for someone, then 21 I went on my own, and uh, I was just very good at what I was doing, you know, uh, with my hands. I'm very handy as well, uh, and, and I used that vehicle as a business, went into a specialty of repiping, and I was quarterly in the sales as well, alongside with my, uh, my uh, knowledge in a particular subject, and out of that, I uh, created a, a huge business. And then you ultimately got out of that business. And so what was the draw then from that into real estate? Obviously, plumbing, you're in the buildings, you're doing work, you're seeing how people are remodeling and fixing yeah. things up. Yeah. What was the draw to get into owning the real estate? Well, I am figuring, you know, I have my money work for me. I always, uh, I always work for the money. You have to put your time in order to make money if you don't have money. And by putting your time and utilizing your time and expertise, you go ahead and make as much money as you can and save as much money as you can. And with saving, then you have to have that money working for you. So what's a better place than real estate? There's yeah. no better place. You're going to put it in the bank. You won't get anything you know, as far as interest goes. You're behind, you're behind the eight ball, you know, with inflation and everything. So the best asset is real estate. You know, everybody needs a place to live. Everybody needs a place to work out there. And guess what? You have to be in a structure, in a building, in a, in a place. Yeah, no, you're a man after my own heart. That's uh, why I did it as well. Somebody once told me early on, there's vertical money and there's horizontal money. Uh, vertical right. money is you have to get up in the morning and you have to go to work and you have to be upright to make the money, whether it's with your hands or your mind or both. And horizontal money is you can make money while you're sleeping. That's and, right. Uh, real estate gives you the capacity to do that. And uh, when I talk to young people within our firm or I talk to young people that I come across, that's it. that's the point to try and get it across is that yes. you want to be smart. Right? That's and right. You'd like to be smarter than the average bear, if you will. That's right. You want to be ahead of the game. Yeah. You know, you don't want to fall behind. And uh, you always have to keep up in, in the times of what's happening. You always have to be inclusive of that, you know, so you're not lost. So yeah. today you have real estate properties in Southern California. Mm -hmm. You uh, Your home is in Las Vegas. You have properties there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, you decide a couple of years ago to run for governor of uh, Nevada. Yes. Why? Well, I would like to bring the ideologies of uh, the entrepreneurial uh, backgrounds and experience that I have uh, and run the state as a business, run the country as a business, uh, looking at numbers. Numbers never lie, you know, and uh, the equivalency of numbers and how you allocate it and how you diversify the numbers are very important. You know, that's money. And I believe the way our political system is structured, uh, you know, we're, we're in debt and we're continuing going into debt. I believe we're sending a lot of money that is useless uh, and has no sort of purpose whatsoever. Sending billions. I mean, yeah, we have to be involved in foreign uh, affairs and what have you, but where you're sending money where is the money where is it getting utilized right. where's the checks and balances of how yeah. you took my money and how you did something good with it right exactly so 
if you're sending money, you want to make sure that money first off is secured and then it will flourish into something that'll be great for communities, for people, for an outreach of, uh, you know, millions of people. If you're sending that kind of money, yeah. you know, well, and as a businessman myself, look, I, uh, my preference is to have somebody run the country or the state as a business. Uh, yeah. And while it is political and you need to keep that in mind, it's still a business at the end of the day. That's I mean, right. California is what the fifth largest economy in the world and uh, it's like running a major country and uh, when you don't run it as a business then you start to have all kinds of other issues right so and it's definitely not to be ran for the people's votes you know you know just let's take for an example here in california you know the governor went ahead and uh, during all this uh, pandemic that incurred, you're a landlord, I'm a landlord, we had to facilitate and, and house the people on behalf of the government. Yeah. How does he have, or any of the officials in California that are in place have the right to stance the landlords and housing the people on their behalf and their decisions? It's wrong, you yeah. know? And, and there's a lot of percentage. I, I believe there's a large percentage of people and companies and individuals who took advantage of that policy. Absolutely. Uh, and, and we're not. I, look, I'm all for helping people that are struggling. I'm all for keeping people in their homes as opposed to being on the street. But mm -hmm. when you enable people to take advantage of their landlord, take advantage of the system, right. and you've given them a, a, a way to be able to do that, and then they tell their friends and their family, and then that becomes a thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it really is. It's something that uh, doesn't belong to the individual, and uh, I think it's wrong, and it's a wrong uh, sort of stance and position uh, to infer those type of things. And in Nevada, when you were running, I mean, different set of circumstances in Nevada, a lot of the similarities in terms of just exponential growth of that state, real estate, a big component there, housing, a big issue in Nevada. Yes. What did you learn from that experience uh, well, that you now take to the next level? Yeah, well, I, I, I uh, traveled throughout the state and in every uh, city throughout the state. It was just very interesting, met tons of people, uh, great people. And listening is an art, you know, you must listen to people and learn and to understand what their needs, what their wants are, what they're looking uh, as far as a leader and how to lead the state, how to lead the country. So that anatomy of me doing what I've done taught me so much. Uh, and I'm just simply the voice of the people. Uh, they reiterate what they want. It comes out for all of you out there, and I love you all. And and so the things that people were telling you that they wanted to hear was, A, a they want a leader, they want somebody to lead, right? Yes. I mean, look, I would characterize myself as a leader as well, but I'm happy to follow if someone else is leading, right? My right. concern is when no one's leading, then either I got to right. do it myself or I have a tough time following. That's right. And you have to, when you lead, you have to show strength yes, as well. You know, I mean, you can't show weakness. And if you say something, then you really have to stand on what you said, you know? You can't back down. Right. So it's very important as to what you converse and what you relay out there to the public uh, and what you voice out there. You know, you must really scale it, put it on a scale, you know, take some time and think as to what you're saying out there because people, millions of people, you know, listen in. Yeah. So it's very important as to what you say, what you portray out there in the public. I as a businessman, 
as anything that you may see in me as individual is I always portray good energy and good vibes. You know, yep. that's number one. You know, I portray that just off the bat. And it starts off very well, you know, respecting people, uh, loving each and every person, looking in an eye of a soul of every person, you know, and not what, what's outside, but actually what's inside, you know, and judging a person by a person themselves, yeah. you know, and, and, and everything else is irrelevant. Um, and we're all a melting pot here in the United States, whereas... Uh, course we have all ethnicities diversities mankind and uh, we must show an example here in the united states of equality and we as one brothers and sisters yeah no, i agree and so how does that then play into your platform and your position on the major issues that are you know today i mean the presidential election while it's still a ways off i mean to me it is fully heating up and with what's going on in the world events. I mean, foreign policy, big issue clearly uh, coming up and, mm-hmm. and at the moment, uh, on top of the fact that I believe the economy is still sputtering along and the Fed hasn't solved the inflation scenario. You have high interest rates, which then precludes people from home ownership and causes strain on commercial real estate and lending. There's a lot of things going yeah. on. I don't want to sound like negative Nancy, but there's a lot of issues out there. That's right. And the problem, let's talk about the economy. Economically, we're reliant on the rest of the world. We're not reliant on ourselves as a country. Now, why are we buying oil uh, over in other countries? We have plenty of oil here. Why don't we resource whatever goods are and what our sources are? Why don't we enjoy these type of things? Uh, Why don't we manufacture our goods here? Why do we need... uh, other countries manufacturing good why can't we put our people to work the american families american people here put them to work why are we putting other kind now if we're if we're uh trading i believe it should be a, a equal value that each country trades with us and we trade equal value to them with dollar for a dollar you know very okay. f- you're keeping your people busy we're keeping our people busy it's all beautiful uh, so, uh, and then 90% of our pharmaceuticals is coming from China and we're reliant on China, you know, they, 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 they cut our supply. What do we do? You know? So, yeah. So but, the oil's coming from the Middle East. The pharmaceuticals are coming from China Yeah, and we're not making nearly what we should be here. Right. And, and I, and in the immigration, uh, policies well, here, they're no still. good. Yeah. The way I would reform the immigration policy, and uh, actually, uh, we have to secure our borders. Uh, that's the fact. Uh, I mean, you, you you reside in a home or or wherever in the premises you are. It's a, you, know, you have a fence, you have a gate, you have a barrier. You can't have everybody coming in. Now, if they want to come in, yeah, we are a, a country of migrants. You know, there's and, a process. Uh, that's right. There's a process, and there'll be a very inviting process as well. So we could uh, ascertain only the good people from all over the world into our country that are willing to work, you know, and 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 achieve the American dream. And yeah, those I are the migrants we need, you know. And that that's what well, we're that also protects the jobs, right? That's and right. So, uh, because we need more 
we need more labor, we need more labor force to produce our goods, so therefore we need a lot of people coming in here, you know, in order to facilitate so we're self-sufficient as a country. Right. And it seems to me, I'm, I'm no politician, but I mean, right. if you put people to work, if you build bridges, walls, infrastructure, then you're creating jobs, you're That's improving right. where you live and where you work, and it seems like that would make perfect sense. I just don't Absolutely. get why we're not doing more of that. Yeah, and, and additionally, we should have uh, fast transit systems within our cities, you know, so uh, people could travel to and from safely and, and in a very in a swift way, you yeah. know, where you know, it's just we're, we're, we're behind, you know, compared to China and, and a lot of parts of the world, we're behind. Yeah, no. I, know, I couldn't agree. And then it, we seem to get sidetracked with what has stock markets all over the board. You know, interest rates are more than double for uh, someone looking for a home uh, loan uh, or yeah. even commercial loan. And and now as a person in the commercial real estate industry, people ask me all the time, what's going to happen? You know, interest rates stay high uh, and, and they don't come back down like a lot of people believe. Then you're going to have loans that are going to be maturing and they're going to be rolling and adjusting. Yeah. And someone's going to have their mortgage doubled on them. And then you combine that <coughs> with the fact that the cost of operating the building has yeah. more than doubled. So yes. you look at trash, you look at electricity, you look at water, you look at landscaping, you look at, at wages for porters and buildings and janitorial people. Mm -hmm. Everything is, is up. That's right. And, and yet rents are not up, right? And right. so how does that then play into right. the commercial real estate world? Yeah. Yeah, it, I'm telling you, it's a struggle. It's yeah. not easy. And especially people who've entered, you know, into apartment buildings, you know, within the, the past five years or oh, so. Oh, there's a coming. I think there's a yeah, coming. Yeah, and then they have their interest rate at 4% or 3%, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, and they're into the property, right. you know, a lot, and they leveraged, you know. Well, and now in California, you have rent control, right? So yeah. even if you wanted to raise the rent, even if you could raise the rent, you cannot raise the rent below a certain level so in addition to your expenses running away yeah. your interest rate running yeah. away yeah. you're not able to capitalize on free yeah. market that's right how can how can you survive can you, yeah. yeah so I, I really think that there's some more challenges ahead i think whoever's in the white house uh, come you know into next year uh has got their work cut out for them yeah and, and uh certainly a business tactical a practical approach yeah. uh, makes good sense for me and I think a lot of other folks out there. Yeah, absolutely. If you have the cash set aside in, uh, for investment, I believe it's a good time to get in, even with the interest rates as high, because you have to keep in mind pricing is coming it's down coming as down. well. Yeah, I think it's so, got more to go, but yes, it is. So it's all proportionate, really. So what happens is, is it, even if you enter the market let's say now with a 7% interest rate or what, because I've entered the market on a 7% yeah. interest rate on a $2 million loan, you know. I bought the asset for $3.9 million. Uh, once everything corrected itself and uh, the rates dropped down to 4 I uh, refinanced, got in a 4.5 on a commercial, so I made uh, another spread of 10000 a month on my income, and plus the asset was worth nine million dollars and i doubled up on uh, appreciation so if you have listen if if you need to live somewhere all right and you need a home uh, the best asset is starting off with a home uh, you can't go wrong even at seven percent and yeah, look, out, look out for the deals look the, out for for properties that are sitting on the market because 
there there may be some room a lot of room for negotiation as well you know so negotiating the deal number one okay getting it to a price point of you know you got it for actually for value you know 10 20 15 uh whatever that number percent discount all right plus you're paying yeah a little bit more on your interest rate but you know in time it'll drop and then your asset will double or maybe uh you know time and a half more yeah. you know and, and we've talked about it on other shows before if you're in it for the long haul that's right then it doesn't matter as much what the interest rates are today right. but uh the fact of the matter is if the property doesn't cash flow it's a problem right <laughs> so no no that that is true and, and yeah. if you have a seller who's holding on to yesterday's dollar uh, right. who still would like what it was and not what it is that's then right. therein lies the disconnect between um yes. you know buyer and seller yeah. and, and then now you have which you didn't have for years is you have the seller has some legs, right? They have some ability to negotiate. Whereas before, I had to pay more than the asking price, or I had to pay the full asking right. price, or I had to do things as a buyer that I just w- wouldn't normally do, put right. down bigger deposits, waive contingencies, these types yes. of things. And now yes. it's back to a more normalized market, which yes. we've talked about before, which is if I sell my house and I ask, pick a number, I ask a dollar, and then somebody comes in and offers me 90 cents and then we settle on 95 cents. That's kind of normal. It's not where I ask a dollar and then you offer me a dollar and I go, wait a minute, I want a dollar 20. Right. Right. And I got right. 20 other guys behind me. That right. doesn't exist anymore. No. And that quickly went away. Right. And, and so now you get back to some basics. And uh, I guess that sort of leads me into sort of my my final sort of chapter of what we have time for today mm-hmm. is you're big on the philanthropy side of things, yes. right? We were talking about before we got on air, uh, big with uh, children, uh, big with disabilities, uh, very active in the charitable community, as am I. And so I appreciate that uh, for all the people that you help. Uh, we were talking about setting up uh, uh, an adjunct to your foundation where you would teach young people how to have ownership, how to invest, and sort of the basics of uh, I'm going to call it real estate 101, right? Yeah. Uh, so that people understand what it is because a lot of people don't know. Right. Right. And, and they don't teach that in school. That's right. So teaching them stuff that uh, they don't teach in school is very important. Getting them ready for the future, getting them ready uh, once they graduate, you know, high school, knowing the fact as to where their talents are, or what, where they want to go, what subject, what are they good at. They may be handy, you know, not necessarily uh, you have to sit in. A, maybe they can't sit in a classroom in a seat. Uh, so you got to utilize their talents in the areas and the subjects that is needed. OK, I believe we also have to take IQ tests at age five years old. We have to have IQ tests on every child out there. So what if this child is IQ is so high? What are we uh, we're wasting our time? You right. know, he should be or she should be somewhere where, you know, maybe in SpaceX or I don't know where. Uh, And the same notion goes for a child that is a little behind. So how do we how do we get that child, you know, an above average type of situation? What do we do? What, What you know, we have to understand it. And it's a parent and a and it's the teachers and the philanthropist job to identify that, you know? Yeah. I mean, to me, I always thought in high school, they should teach a class on 
why you need credit on how you buy a house. That's what happens right. when you write a check? Does the, the piece of paper just turn into money? And yes. how does that really work? No, right. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in today's world, everything is now contactless. With a credit card, you just touch the machine and boom, I get to buy something. That's and right. I, I don't think young people really fully understand That's that. right. And, and, and just like you said, you know, uh, what we do is we teach them how to, uh, how to earn, how to save, how to invest, and then we also uh, are focused on affordable housing. So I'm thinking of uh, getting plots of land, you know, uh, and subsidizing them or parcelizing them with utilities, wastewater, uh, electricity, drop modules, 800 square foot in the rear there. Uh, and then they're in home ownership, 150 to $250,000. Uh, and we have the programs for them to enter and get the loans. But again, we teach them at a young age uh, how to obtain credit, the most impeccable credit, okay, to preserve it, and how to save, how to earn, how to save. And what I'm thinking, too, is to send them uh, to work at age 14, part-time, tally-in, four hours a day. Uh, not a day, four hours a week, let's just say. Now the uh, vendor or the person they're working with wires the money over to their account it's locked up till age 18 they have accumulation of money they practice their skills communication skills uh, exchanging money uh, and that's very important that's part of the whole uh, ingredient here uh, and interacting with people you know eye to eye uh, and learning the intricacies of that, and that that basically at the end of the day, they already know their talents, what they're doing. They're already challenging. They already have money obtained. They're into home ownership. Yeah, I mean, off if it the was, gate. If it was a class, I think they'd call it tools of life, right? right. Uh, or something. To no, because uh, there's so many people out there that have student loans, and they owe student loans out there because you know they're inferring you have to continue your education. You know, without. Uh, continuing your education you will not succeed and that's not true yeah. you know it's not true uh, i'm an example of it you yeah, know, and, there's, I, and there's street smart and there's book smart and if you can have both you're ahead of the game but if you can't have both you need to find something that you're good at and be able to take advantage that's of. right that's right so we've only got a minute left i told you when we started it would go quick i could Go with you all day. I got tons of other stuff to ask you, and I'm happy to have you come back yeah. on the show. And and Thank regardless you. of how it goes, but if you're in the White House, you invite me. I'll come and have lunch Thank with you. Thank you I have so to very it. much. But I appreciate you coming on the show yeah. and sharing your thoughts and on the real estate uh, side of things, and also on the political side of things. And certainly wish you and your family and your campaign all the best continued success and brock zibelberg thank you for being thank you thank you uh it's a pleasure it's an honor to have this discussion with you i enjoyed my discussion it was great and you're a very very savvy intelligent human being let me tell you yeah my mother tells me that all the time (laughs) you're in good company so uh, on a final note, how can people reach you? How can they find you in terms of your website for your campaign? Okay, yeah, it's it's just simple. Uh, my name, Barack Zilberberg. I know it's a tongue twister, not easy, uh, but yeah, B-A-R-A-K-Z-I-L-B-E-R-B-E-R-G. All my platforms, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, any interests, go on to Google, search me up. Just my name, Excellent. first and last. 
Perfect. I wish you much uh, success and uh, all the best with the upcoming campaign. Brock Zilberberg, businessman, philanthropist, candidate for president of the United States. Thanks for being on. I'm Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company. Thanks to everybody here at uh, OC Talk Radio for putting on the show. And we'll see you back here next week on Let's Talk Real Estate. Thanks for tuning in. There you have it. You've been listening to Let's Talk Real Estate, your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in Southern California. On Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio, streaming live from our studio here at the University of California Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center.